forgot to press record, sorry. <laughs> Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Let's pray together, ladies, before we begin. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have the privilege to read your word together as women who are seeking to live our lives to honour you. Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds to hear your word afresh this evening? Lord, would you speak to us through your word and help us to be transformed, to be the women that you desire us to be? Lord, I pray that you would uh, help me to speak clearly and faithfully and to share your word in a way that brings grace to the hearers and would spur us on to love and good works in your name. Amen. Well, the title of my talk this evening is Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, and that's a line taken from a famous fairy tale um, written in 1812, actually, by the Brothers Grimm, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Now, most of us would know the story. The evil queen is very beautiful in appearance, but yet she goes to her magic mirror every day to ask the question, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, who is the fairest or most beautiful of them all and each day the mirror would tell her that she is by far the most beautiful woman in all the land. Now she seeks her reassurance and her affirmation every day from the voice in the mirror that she is still the most beautiful woman in the kingdom. Now this makes the queen very happy until one fateful day of course the mirror tells her that yes while she is still beautiful she is actually no longer the most beautiful and actually Snow White is more beautiful than her. And this shocking news we know sends her into a murderous rage as she immediately begins to plot Snow White's death. And yes, it is a fairy tale, but I think there are some actual gold nuggets of wisdom and even caution for us today as we consider our own relationship with what we see in the mirror each day and how we view true beauty. Now, the queen, it seemed, had made an idol actually out of her appearance. She craved the approval of the mirror and based her entire happiness on whether or not the mirror told her she was the most beautiful woman. The voice that she heard each day in the mirror was the loudest to her and clearly it had the most powerful influence over her. Now, I don't imagine, ladies, that many of us go around poisoning apples and handing them out to the women around us who are more beautiful than we are. But yeah, just like the queen in the fairy tale, we could be tempted perhaps to make an idol out of our appearance. Unknowingly, we can actually replace the worship and glory that should go to our creator and desire that glory and worship for ourselves. Our reflection can actually be what consumes far too much of our time and our energy and our thoughts. John Piper actually puts it this way. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, There are a lot of women who spend a lot of time on their hair and a lot of time on their eyes and a lot of time on their lips and a lot of time on their clothes and feet. And yet, they don't spend any time on becoming beautiful. Just think about that for a minute. Like when I read that, that really pierced my heart as I considered how much time do I actually spend trying to fix my appearance but yet not really much time at all in becoming truly beautiful. Now perhaps like the queen, the most influential voice that we can hear can be the one in the mirror rather than the voice of our creator. 
and our response to those voices can often simply be to look to ways to improve our appearance so that what we hear coming from the mirror will actually be more acceptable, tell us we're more beautiful or more worthwhile. But if we shut out the voices coming from the mirror just for a moment and listen to God, I think we actually see that he has something to say about beauty and how he sees us. And thankfully, that answer is not found in a beauty salon, the gym or the plastic surgeon's office or in a clothing store. And tonight, my prayer for us ladies would be that we would leave here believing that what we see in the mirror does not define us. And I also pray that we would be able to remind ourselves of the calling that God has in our lives to be women who follow Jesus, women who want to grow in how we reflect the glory of our creator and the beauty of the gospel in everything that we do. So I actually wanted to start this evening and tell you a bit about my own struggles that I've had with my body image and how I've needed God's help really to battle this idol in my own life, the struggle and the battle with the mirror. You know, from the time that I was in preschool, I was always the tallest kid and I hated it. I hated sticking out and standing out and, and I wasn't naturally thin, so I always felt a bit chunkier than everybody else and I had bigger hips, longer legs, bigger feet and so I always felt like I couldn't you know, share my friend's clothes or shoes because they were always at least two sizes smaller than I was. And I was usually very self-conscious about sticking out. So to combat that, I kind of hunched over, much to my mother's disgust, <laughs> and poking me in the back and going, what about your posture? When I just wanted to fit in, right? I just wanted to be shorter like everyone else. And then as I entered into high school, you know, I was pretty active participating in sports and that kind of um, helped me maintain probably a decent healthiness in terms of my weight. But then I got glandular fever when I was 14 and then that turned into four years of chronic fatigue, which meant many months in bed, inactive, and uh, there were a lot of recurring relapses. And so sadly, that illness did not curb my appetite for chips and chocolate, um, but these snacks were kind of no longer balanced out now by hours of swimming training or water polo to help burn off the calories from those goodies. And my mom, bless her, in her attempts to kind of comfort me and help break up the boredom of my miserable life in bed for months, she would um, go down to the local bakery in Picton a few times a week and buy me apple turnovers. They were delicious little <laughs> creamy, sugary treats of goodness. But um, And my mom, I really loved her for blessing me with that. But, you know, obviously it didn't really bless my waistline. <clears throat> and so... It began an ongoing challenge for me, um, my yo-yoing battle with weight, uh, my love-hate relationship with the mirror, my battle with self-control, and the false comfort that I now often found in food. And these battles have honestly kept going for the last 30 years. You know, sometimes I've been victorious in them, and other times completely and utterly defeated. And you know, with each new diet I tried, weight loss program I signed up for, or exercise regime I committed to, I was like, this time I'm gonna succeed. This time I'll get to my goal weight. Or this time I will not go back to using food as my source of comfort. But, you know, after I got married, I think my battle got harder as I had children. You know, I was very happy that I fit back into my normal clothes like six weeks after our first baby came along. But 
I also discovered a new love of peanuts and watching tennis all summer with a newborn baby. And so it wasn't long before I had to shop for some new clothes to accommodate my new waistline. Um, along came six more babies and each one, <laughs> with each one, not, not all in a row, <laughs> over a period of time. <laughs> but uh, with each one came more stretch marks, more inches around my waist, and as my muffin top grew and my sagging skin grew, so did, sadly, the voices that I heard in the mirror. I felt like they were shouting at me, pointing the finger at me, that you're a failure, you're ugly, you're fat, you're unlovely and unlovable. And with every baby I had, sadly, the image of myself grew worse. Now, during these years, honestly, I discovered that food was a great source of comfort for me, to my discontented soul, even though it was a very temporary one. And self-control over eating became a huge battle for me, a battle that I still have to fight today. Now, sadly, instead of reaching for God in these times, I would reach for the bag of chips. And uh, instead of prayer being the first stop when I was upset, or discouraged, the pantry seemed to be a good immediate source of solace and satisfaction. And of course, instead of looking to God's word for truth, I just went and looked in the freezer for more ice cream. And it wasn't just my weight that bothered me when I looked in the mirror. I didn't like my skin, my face, my sagging body that was heading south, literally. <laughs> and you know, I knew that I shouldn't be basing how I felt about myself as a woman or a wife or mother based on how I looked, but yet the battle and how I viewed my body was very real and I felt disgusted by myself and who I was. And it was only a few years later really that the Lord started to show me what beauty was and where I could find it. And the beauty was never gonna be found in a new bottle of hair dye or getting my nails done or fake tan. Um, I came to see that it wasn't going to be the absence of age spots or gray hair, cellulite and wrinkles. Um, it was not going to be found in magazines and blog posts and, and new weight loss programs, but it was also not gonna be based on the number I saw on the scales or the size of my genes. God had a definition of beauty and it had absolutely nothing to do with my appearance. And in his kindness, he led me to those answers in his word. He showed me that Actually, I had really made an idol out of people's approval of me and my appearance and how I looked. And, and I'd also really made an idol out of food. You know, I looked to both of those things to bring me joy and comfort and satisfaction. And really, those were things that only God could give me. I had started worshipping them in place of my Saviour. And I wanted really the praise for myself, praise that belonged to my Creator. And if I didn't get it, I would just look to more food to comfort me instead of my savior. But in God's gentle grace, he definitely helped me to hear his voice when I looked in the mirror instead of listening to the external voices, even though still now it can be a struggle for me. Um, and that's where I want us to look tonight, ladies, is really to God's word and what he says beauty is. How do we become women that are far less focused on our external appearance and way more focused on reflecting the beauty of Christ. So let's go back to uh, Proverbs, <clears throat> excuse me, 31, 30. The first sentence says, charm is deceitful. Now there's no great mystery here uh, when it's determining what these words mean. The Hebrew word for charm is actually referring to a woman's outward appearance 
And the word deceptive is actually translated false. So in other words, when we're talking about the outward appearance of a woman, it's false. It doesn't have any true value. Um, and then the next part of the verse says this, and beauty is fleeting. Again, the word beauty is speaking of a woman's appearance, her external appearance. And the word fleeting is actually the Hebrew word for vapor or a breath. It's something that's here one minute, but then gone the next. Now, I think most of us would be well aware that our external appearance is well and truly a fleeting thing, isn't it? I mean, in spite of our best efforts to maintain healthy weight or stay in shape, our bodies are decaying day by day, and there is really nothing we can do to stop that. In spite of all the promises that are made to us in the bazillion ads and beauty products that they're selling to us and anti-aging pills and procedures, there is actually not one single thing since the beginning of time that has ever successfully stopped the aging process in a woman and stopped us from dying. Now, in fact, Psalm 139 tells us that all of our days are actually ordained by God. And we have been set a given amount of days by him. This should actually free us from the anxiety of growing old. <laughs> I know, I should know, we're getting older, but it should release us to not feel anxious about that. But trying or to try to stop that process when we realize it's actually out of our control and God has set our days in his plan. So let's consider for a few minutes then, what are some of the voices that we hear coming from our mirrors. Just like the queen in the fairy tale of Snow White listened to the voice of the magic mirror, I think seeking that affirmation and waiting to be told every day she was the most beautiful. What voices do you hear when you look in the mirror? Whose approval are you seeking? And who defines for you what true beauty is? Now here are just a few of the voices that I think may be a temptation to be an influence on us and and maybe you can uh, identify some of these voices for yourself the ones that might speak the loudest to you perhaps it's family perhaps you did not grow up in a very affirming environment and a loving household your appearance amongst other things perhaps was very criticized and perhaps you were often compared to your siblings or other people in unfavorable ways Perhaps they even continued to highlight that one feature about yourself that you hated and were embarrassed about, but yet they would constantly make fun of you or bring it up. Maybe the lack of affection and affirmation you received from them left you looking for love and attention in all the wrong places. Now, sadly, perhaps when you look in the mirror, all that you hear is a criticism from your childhood and the longing that you feel to have that affirmation you never received. <coughs> maybe it's not family, but maybe it's friends and peers. When you look in the mirror, do you hear the compliments of your friends and peers about your beautiful hair or your cool outfit? Or do you hear the unkind words where they've taunted you or made fun of your appearance? Growing up can actually be a brutal experience for some of us, especially during the teenage years where the constant insecurities of our appearance can be really debilitating and the acceptance of friends and peers seems like the only thing in the world that can really matter to us. <clears throat> when our peers affirm us and accept us, we feel beautiful and very valued, but when they make fun of our outfits or our hairdo or the acne explosion that has just taken place on our face, we can be devastated and feel like the ugliest, most unlovable girl on the entire planet. Sadly, you know, the scars that we can bear from schoolyard comments 
can, from teasing or bullying about our appearance, can really, for some women, sadly, last a lifetime. And even worse, for some women, it leads to eating disorders and even more tragically, to women committing suicide or girls, particularly in the teenage years. Every time you look in the mirror, do you just hear the voice of rejection? And that's all you hear. You know, these voices aren't always just left to the schoolyard, are they? I mean, as adult women, we can too be the recipients of very unkind comments about how we look. And that can leave us feeling really insecure or discontent about who we are and how we look. You know, two stories that came to mind as I was um, preparing for this are comments that were made to me over the last 20 years. Um, and they just had a lasting impact on me and how I felt about myself and how I viewed myself in the mirror. Um, not long after I'd had our second baby, um, a lady from the church we were attending at the time came over to our house and we had our wedding picture on the wall and she looked and she's like, oh, who's that in the picture? And I'm like, well, why would I have somebody else's wedding picture on my wall? It's cute. But, you know, honestly, I was devastated. I was like, wow, I obviously no longer look anything like I did on that day. And that was only four short years ago before that incident. Um, the second comment that came not long after our twins were born, I was 29 at the time, and um, a good friend commented about all the age spots that they saw on my face, like in shock, like, oh my gosh, what happened to your face? And I hadn't even noticed until I was like, oh, oh dear, that's really ugly. And uh, in the next breath, they actually asked me, had I ever considered plastic surgery? Oh. Now that I know, that was my response. <laughs> had I ever considered having plastic surgery now that I was so out of shape and had had so many kids? And, and when I said, um, no, I would never have plastic surgery, they were quite shocked and said, are you sure? You wouldn't think of that as an option? Because clearly, you know, you need help getting back into shape. Now, you know, we can laugh about those stories and praise God, I laugh about them now. But needless to say, I was actually really hurt and offended at the time by that. But then I became acutely aware that I am no longer pretty or beautiful in the world's standards. And most likely, I never will be again because, you know, I'm too old, I'm too worn out, I've too, had too many kids. And the only chance I've got of looking good is going to see a plastic surgeon. So voices of friends can definitely leave lasting impacts on us and be the voices that we hear again and again when we look in the mirror. Another one that we're all very familiar with is social media. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, Pinterest, all of those are very, very loud voices in the last 20 years since their invention. And they set the trends, don't they, for what's hot and what's not, what's in, what's out, and they define to millions of users around the world what is beautiful and what is ugly. And I wanna ask you ladies, is this where you see in your reflection that that is acceptable or not? Is that where you hear the voice that tells you whether you're beautiful or not? Are we tempted to post photos of ourselves and feel good or bad depending on how many people liked our photos or what nice comments they said about us. You know, it's so easy to do. I too can fall into that trap. How do I feel depending on what people said about the photo that I posted? It's a very instant voice and it's a really hard voice to actually switch off. Now, if you're married, the voice of your husband too can be a very prominent voice when you look in the mirror. As wives, you know, we want to be cherished. We want to be desirable and beautiful to our husbands. But what if 
our husbands don't communicate that to us. Perhaps there was a time when he complimented you all the time and told you you're beautiful and gorgeous to him, but you know, a few kids and a few kilos later, those compliments don't come very often anymore. Or perhaps, sadly, perhaps your husband criticizes your appearance or has even made fun of you, um, put you down for how you look, and this leaves you feeling very ugly and unlovable and always trying harder and harder to get his attention and approval, or even worse, looking for another man's attention and approval to make yourself feel beautiful again. And lastly, there's society. Everywhere we go, society's voice speaks very loudly to us about the definitions of what a beautiful woman is. You know, we really can't escape it. It's the TV, the movies, the billboards, you go to the shops, it's in the storefront windows. Everything tells us what we're supposed to be as beautiful. And sadly, the global health and wellness industry statistics really tell us that we kind of believe what it is that they're selling to us. Did you know that the beauty industry accounts for $999 billion worth of global sales in beauty products? And that includes everything from you know hair and nails, plastic surgery included, enhancements, anti-aging products, and that doesn't even include the enormous amount of money that we can spend on you know, our appearance with shoes and clothes, etc. So obviously the voice of society is actually a really loud influence on us and our wallets when it comes to how we listen to regarding our reflection and where we're seeking the affirmation. So who is right? Who is the authority then on what true beauty is? Is it the runway models in Paris? Is it Instagram? Is it your friends, your family? Is it Hollywood celebrities? I think no matter what voice that we might hear in the mirror, there is really only one voice that is the voice of truth to us. There is only one voice who actually defines what beauty is. And his voice, thankfully, does not change. Doesn't change with the times, doesn't change with the fashion trends or whatever society or culture you live in. And that is, of course, the voice of our creator. We must lean in to listen to his voice because he has a purpose in creating you. His design for your reflection, how he sees you, what he thinks about you, what he says is beautiful, and what his definition of beauty is and what is praiseworthy in his sight. You know, there are many things that God says about us um, and who we are once we've come to put our trust in Christ as our saviour and you know last year we touched on that a little bit when we talked about identity and who we are in Christ that we are his daughters we're co-heirs with Christ and we are citizens of heaven but this evening I want to highlight three other things that we are actually called to be because of what Christ has done on our behalf at the cross and we are called to be women who fear the Lord we're called to be image bearers of our creator and we are the bride of Christ so as we consider these three things, we can actually see more clearly what is beauty in God's sight, how we should view ourselves in light of this truth and live out God's purpose for our lives. Let's turn back again to the last part <clears throat> excuse me, of Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Do you notice that the first thing that God says is to be praised is not a woman's outfit, it's not her physical appearance, it's not her jewelry or her well-toned body. He says that a woman who fears the Lord 
is the one to be praised. Have you ever noticed that none of the women in scripture who are praised by God or commended by him are actually commended for their beautiful appearance? Yes, there are mention of beautiful women for sure, but none of them involve the commendation or praise of God because of it. And rather the women that are praised and commended are women of great faith and women who feared the Lord. Women like the Hebrew midwives that Riley talked about two weeks ago in Exodus 1.17, the women who feared God more than they feared the king of Egypt who told them to kill the Israelite baby boys. And here in Proverbs 31.30, God is telling us to do the same. When we see a woman who fears the Lord, we are actually to praise her, not to puff her up with pride and make her feel good about herself, but we're to praise God because of her example of godliness. And we're also to spur each other on to love and good works and to grow in godliness as Hebrews 10.24 tells us to do. So what does a woman who fears the Lord actually look like? Well, I think it's a woman who puts God first in her life, who is seeking to obey his commandments, who is in awe of him and seeks to do his will. A woman whose desire is to glorify Christ and a woman who seeks to take up her cross and follow him no matter what the cost to herself. She is a woman who is seeking to train herself in godliness as a first priority in all things that she does. Um, if you would like to turn over to First uh, Timothy, if not, that's fine, I'll just read it out for us. First um, Timothy chapter 4, uh, the second part of uh, verse 7. <clears throat> it says, Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of all full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. Now there is absolutely nothing wrong with seeking to train our physical bodies to go to the gym or to seek to be healthy through regular exercise, but Timothy reminds us that while training our physical bodies is of some value, we are to train ourselves in godliness because that is of value in every way because it holds promise for this life as well as for eternity. And having a certain physique or disciplining our body or becoming toned or shaped in a certain way should actually not be really the thing that we praise in other women or be seeking praise for ourselves because of it. These are not actually the attributes of beauty that God commends. What he does commend though and he sees as praiseworthy is a woman who fears him. So we want to be women who fear the Lord and then we also want to be image bearers of our creator because that's what he's made us to be. We are probably very familiar with Genesis 1.27 that tells us this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis tells us right from the beginning that there is an amazing creator who has been creatively making the universe with absolutely stunningly beautiful things, animals that are just absolutely out of this world, the universe, the stars in space, as well as beautiful landscapes, and all of those things definitely point to the glory of God, and we see his glorious handiwork by what he's created. But yet the Bible tells us that, in fact, we are the ones that are made in his image, not the animals, not the landscape, not the stars. None of them bear his image like we do. 
So what does that mean then, to be made in his image? Does it mean we look like God or he's got bodily features like we do? No, I think it actually means that what we do is bear the characteristics of God, that we have been given the capacity to display these amazing qualities of God in order to glorify him on this earth. And yes, while we are flawed and sinful women who live in a fallen world, we still are actually able to show the image of our creator in things like the way we love, the way we show compassion, the way we are kind to one another, the way we show grace and do good to others. We were always intended to be creatures that reflect our creator and give him all the glory through the way that we live our lives. We so often make the mistake of looking in the mirror to tell us our purpose, our worth, whether or not we're beautiful, but in fact where we should be looking is to the one who created us in his incredibly beautiful image. You know, Psalm 139 is a beautiful description of the creator who has knit us together in our mother's womb, who has known us before we were even born, and who reminds us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ladies, do you look in the mirror and you hear the voice that tells you you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Or do you look in the mirror and you hear you are repulsively made, you are defectively made, you are mistakenly made. If you hear that, where do you run to? What do you do with that? Do you go to the gym? Do you go online shopping? Do you go to the fridge, like me, for comfort food, to the makeup bag, or to sign up for another 12-week transformation body program? None of these things are bad in and of themselves. They're not. It's not a sin to get your hair done, or to wear makeup, or go shopping, or change your eating habits, join a gym. But none of these things will give you a lasting answer. They all temporary things that are found in the created rather than answers found in the creator. You know, only his voice can remind you that you are made in his image, the almighty one, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who authored what beauty is. He's the one who defines it. And when we forget that we're made in his image, that we are called to be his image bearers in the world, we can even forget then that the glory is meant to be his and that we should not try to take it for ourselves, especially by just beautifying our external appearance. We must not forget that our lives are not about the clothes we wear. It's not about the length of our nails or the color of our hair or the definition of our abs or lack thereof. <laughs> um, our calling as image bearers of our creator is to be a glorious signpost to the world of the transforming, beautiful power of the gospel at work in our lives because he came and he lived on earth a sinless life and then he died for us and he rose again. And that too can be a gift that others can partake in. But we need to be the ones to be signposting it to them. And so lastly, we are called to be the bride of Christ. Listen to these words by Francis Chan from the book You and Me Forever. God has made us righteous, attractive. Those who cling to Jesus are beautiful to him. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest, with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. He makes us beautiful, even comparing us to a bride on her wedding day. Let that sink in. 
God uses that picture to describe how attractive we are to him. He has made us that beautiful. Now, unlike a typical bride, we can be all shabby, grotesque and woefully unprepared before we walk down the aisle because of our sin. But our groom beautifies us when we look to him in faith. And in that instant, we become his cherished bride. That is just the most amazing picture, don't you think, of how God sees us when we know who Christ is as our saviour. That is really what he defines as beautiful. It's you, his church, his bride. And now, how is it then that God can make us beautiful? Well, it's possible because Christ has the power to make all things new. And he's actually promised to transform these lowly bodies into being like his glorious body, according to Philippians 3.21. Think for a moment then how much time and effort and energy goes into planning a wedding, you know, so it can be the most amazing day for the bridal couple. A lot, right? A lot of time. And now, though, compare that to how much time do we spend preparing ourselves for the marriage feast that's going to await us in heaven. You know, this is going to be, ladies, the most glorious, glorious moment in our whole entire lives. That day when we come face to face with our bridegroom, our saviour, our redeemer, the one who created us, the lamb of God who bore all of our shame, all of our sin at Calvary, we are going to be presented to him as a spotless, stunningly, beautifully perfect bride because of what he has done for us. How are we then going to prepare ourselves now for that day? You know, are we spending time each day talking to him, reading about him in the words that he's spoken to us? And how do we get to know him better, more intimately? Are we spending time then talking to others about him? You know, when you meet a woman who's getting married, you know, does she not go on and on and on and on about her man, about her wedding coming up, all the plans, the preparations, how awesome her fiancé is and how she can't wait for you to meet him and, oh, if you just knew him the way I did, you'd love him too. You know, but do we talk about Jesus that way? You know, sadly, I don't. A lot of the time I don't because I forget how amazing he really is and that I want other people to know him the way that I have come to know him? Are we spending each day seeking his face, listening to his voice so that he can remind us that we belong to him, that we are loved and cherished by him and that we are beautiful because of what he's done? Are we tempted to perhaps, though, listen to the other voices, to just work on our external beauty that can vanish you know, just like that vapor and it's gone? Are we spending all of our resource beautifying our outward appearance that we're really going to return to dust instead of using our resources to work on what it's going to be like for eternity and preparing ourselves for our bridegroom? Can we be tempted, ladies, to steal that glory that's really due to our creator for ourselves because we are making our reflection an idol that needs to be appeased and worshipped and adored by others? Or are we seeking to be women who really fear God only and look to him for our approval, pointing others along the way to how good he is? You know, all of these things might be really hard questions to answer, but I think it's worthwhile considering to ask ourselves this. Do I see myself as a woman who fears the Lord? Do I see myself as a woman who is made in the image of my creator? 
And do I see myself as a beautiful bride of Christ awaiting the marriage feast that is to come? If the answer is no, or you're not sure, or maybe it's a work in progress like a lot of us, all of us probably are, um, I would really encourage us to consider these three things in order to drown out those very unhelpful voices that can still be calling to us from the mirror. Now, look, these are just suggestions. They are not a list of have-tos or you must do this in order to be a godly woman. Um, God is a very gracious and loving God, and he is the one who works in us to make us to be more like him. So we don't want to be condemned by all the things we have to change or what we've got to work on, a big long list, um, but we want to find grace in that as we grow. So the first thing I think we can consider to do is, number one, is to ask. You know, just as the queen in the fairy tale asked the question of the mirror, we don't want to ask the mirror. We want to ask the Lord and listen to him. We may need to ask the Lord for his help to discern where are our hearts actually at in relation to our body image and how we view ourselves. We might want to ask, what areas of my appearance am I really spending way too much time thinking about and obsessing over and stressing about, just improving so I feel better about myself? Maybe we need to ask if I need to repent of making my appearance or approval of others an idol. Have I really sought the praise of others in place of praising my saviour? Or perhaps asking, have I made created things the source of my comfort instead of my creator, the one that I run to? Do I look to food or fitness, shopping, unhealthy relationships, scrolling through social media? Have I made those things the source of my satisfaction, but they are just the created rather than the satisfaction in my creator? Now, look, all of those questions really just give us opportunities to humble ourselves before the Lord and ask for help to make us beautiful, God-fearing women that he's called us to be. So we can ask and then we can listen. The queen listened to the reply in the mirror, didn't she? But we want to listen to what our creator has to say to us. All of the other voices, ladies, coming from those mirrors, they are false. They are not speaking the truth to us. And they'll either give us false hope and comfort when we feel good about ourselves, or they will just tear us down when we're not feeling so great about how we look. But God has given us his voice of truth in his word and the truth of what he says is beautiful and of who he says that we are. He's also given us the voice of each other, sisters in Christ around us, given to each other as a means of grace from a loving heavenly father. You know, he is far more concerned, ladies, about how we're adorning our inward selves, how we're adorning the gospel rather than how we're adorning our physical bodies. His desire for us is to become praiseworthy women who fear God, women who bear his image, to glorify Christ and prepare ourselves for his beautiful bride, bridegroom. Sorry, We can help each other do that. We can point each other to the truth of Christ as trusted sisters who will spur each other on and hold each other accountable and graciously walk with one another if we're struggling with this. So we can ask and we can listen and we can also act. We can choose to look up and behold our incredibly beautiful saviour. We can choose to spend unhurried time with him. We can choose to sit at the feet of our saviour and learn what he has to say about you, learn what he has to say about what true beauty really is. 
Can I also recommend, if you'd like to read books, uh, two books that might be helpful to us in um, this area. Um, I would highly recommend them if you like to read. The first is True Beauty by Carolyn Mahaney and her daughter, Nicole Whitaker. Um, the other book, and I've mentioned it before, but it's called Awe by Paul Tripp. It's a wonderful book that helps us to grow in the fear of the Lord and be amazed and in awe of our creator rather than in awe of ourselves and our surroundings. So I'd highly recommend them if that's something um, <clears throat> that would help you to grow. Um, as we spend time with our Creator, would we be able to have the wisdom to know if action is actually required in order to combat and shut out those voices in the mirror? For some of us, this might look like switching off the voices of social media or TV and movies or magazines. This might look like running instead of going to the store to seek comfort in shopping and purchasing new external adornment for ourselves. It might look like running to the Lord for comfort and truth. For some of us, it might look like less time focusing on fitness and more time focusing on actually our spiritual health. Um, for some of us, too, it might look like spending less time with friends who are just encouraging us in the superficial beauty rather than spending time with friends who are going to encourage us in that pursuit of godliness. And this might also be for some of us spending less time in front of the mirror preparing ourselves for our day and uh, spending more time preparing our hearts for when we see our bridegroom on that amazing day. You know, ladies, there is so much that we could talk about tonight, but we have limited time and I'm very long-winded, so we could have been here for hours. Could have had a sleepover, but no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but you know, ladies, if there are issues that we haven't talked about or that we have, but they are things that you struggle with, please share with your group leader, with myself or Emma, um, Charlotte or Maddie. Talk to somebody, a godly woman that you trust to share that with, especially if maybe you're going through an eating disorder and you're so ashamed you have never shared it with anybody else. Please don't walk in that shame any longer. Talk to somebody who will love you and pray with you and walk with you about how beautiful you really are. We want to spur each other on to love and good works. We want to spur each other on in being truly beautiful women in Christ. Now I want to just leave you with this last image as we close and picture the invitation that has been given to us to partake and be part of his feast that God has prepared for us to be spotless and sinless and stunningly beautiful when we get to share in the marriage feast with our King and our Creator. This is the final word, ladies, on how your Creator sees you. Beautiful, his stunningly perfect bride because of what Christ has done for you and what he's doing in you. Now, would you close your eyes and try to picture yourself in this incredible scene when you're going to see your bridegroom face to face? Revelation 19, 6 to 9. John writes this. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. 
And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that your ways are perfect. Ours are not, but you have given us your word of truth to show us um, how you have created us to be beautiful, to be women who fear you, that you've made us in your image, and that you've called us to be part of your bride. And Lord, we are broken vessels here on this earth. But Father, we thank you that you have made us perfect through your Son. And we thank you, Lord, that one day our lowly bodies will be transformed to be perfect like your glorious body. And Father, we look forward to that day when we will stand before you perfectly clothed in righteousness and we will stand before the bridegroom and celebrate at an incredibly amazing feast like no other wedding we've ever been to before to celebrate you and all you've done for us and we are just the blessed recipients of your saving grace father please help us in our struggle with the mirror please help us where we listen to the voices that are false lord would you help us to turn them off and to turn to you help us to run to you to know what it is to be a beautiful woman lord help us to prepare our hearts for that day help us not to look to the created to find comfort and beauty but to look to our creator father we thank you that you are at work in us by your grace and you will work in us in your timing and we thank you for your loving kindness to do that in your time in jesus name amen oh please forgive me for my tears i get very excited about 